What is up, my metal maniacs? This is the Judas Priest cast. And we've got another episode coming. This is the third episode of Firepower February. Four weeks, four episodes, and four guests to discuss songs from the most recent Judas Priest album. And now it's time for us to talk about the song that gives the album its name. With the help of an awesome guest all the way from Scotland, please welcome the man behind the band, Tyrannus. You've got Callum John Cant. Hello there. Hello, Callum. Callum, uh, man. Cool. <laughs> It's really cool hearing you guys do that intro like, like live because I've heard it a couple of times now. And it's like, oh, this is cool. I'm, 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 I'm like, we're watching it happen. Yeah, and you get to be part of it, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's exciting again, to have you. Uh, again, thank you so much for having me. This is like, I, I still love the fact that this all came just from a dumb tweet that I, I decided to just like throw out. It's like, you know what? I feel like this this album just doesn't get enough love. Because it's it's re- it's recency bias. People just don't really think about it. So, yeah. And, but you know what the crazy part is, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago. The album is five years old now, and it, it's hard to grasp the concept of an album being full half a decade old. And we've had a lot of days, a lot of months to live with this and let these songs sink in. And I think it's getting to the point where. A lot of these songs are holding up over time for me. Like I'm enjoying them just as much or more nowadays than I was when the album came out. Yeah, no, it's, I'm pretty much the same. I will say it kind of it didn't exist in my mind for for a good while after it released, but then it's only. But I've kind of been on a bit of a, a bit of a Jewish priest kind of kick the last sort of couple of months, uh, maybe longer. I'm trying to think what happened. I don't know what prompted it. Basically, I just I stuck on firepower. And was like, this is awesome. This is really, this is really awesome. Oh, I remember this bit. Oh, I remember this bit. And it's like, and, and it's like, yeah, okay, this really stuck in my head way more than I expected it to. So, but it's a really good album. Like, like it, it, it's gotten praise that it actually deserves. Yeah. Well, just, I just want to uh, like note it here that uh, it is five years old for sure, but three, uh, two of those years were 2020 and 2021, which is just one long, bad, like, let's just say, moment. I don't know. And sometimes it feels like it's <laughs> too long. They're years. Yeah. Those are fake it feels years. Like... They're phantom zone years. Yeah. Those were nightmares. Yeah. And Judas Priest is part of what helped me get through that nightmare. I was listening to a lot of Priest rediscovering those old albums and listening to the albums I was less familiar with. And out of that eventually came this podcast. But hey, and now we're here in the year 2023. And like I said, uh, we've had the time to sort of absorb those songs and let them sit with us. And one of the ones that sticks with me the most is the title track, Firepower, because it opens the album just with a bang. A very similar yeah. theme killer. Like they just hit they didn't hold back. fast song at the beginning. Addy, what did you have? Yeah, I mean, they didn't hold back on this one. Like they would just drop the listeners in the middle of the like high energy magnetic field. Are we discussing Firepower right now or, or are we leaving that until, until a little bit? Oh, so it sounds like you have a lot to say. But hey, first, we want to know your Judas Priest origin story. 
Uh, Callum, how did you get into Judas Priest? I mean, do you remember how old you were or like the place you were in emotionally or like, you know, whichever way uh, that that you got into Judas Priest and what songs or albums you were listening to? Like, would you mind give us a tour in that like old memory? Yeah, so, yes. So... Uh, the very first time I listened to Judas Priest was when I saw them in 2009 uh, with uh, Megadeth and Testament. Uh, it was part of the Priest Feast tour. Um, Great lineup. Uh, yeah, really good lineup. So, bit of background there. So, back then, I would have been uh, 16 going on 17. I wasn't that long into being into metal i think think like i'd gone into metal like when i was 14 but it was that sort of like very sort of slow kind of burn off like you're starting off with the very popular bands at the time like slipknot and trivium and then you kind of start making your way back and uh, being completely honest i'd kind of dismissed judas priest because of songs like you've got another thing coming at where because i thought because uh, i thought they were just kind of like old man metal like like stuff that i just wasn't into uh it doesn't didn't go hard yeah, enough for me the common so, story yeah, right. And at that time, my favorite band uh, ever was Megadeth, and they just released Endgame. So that was a very strong album, uh, yeah. and I was very much looking forward to seeing seeing them at the time. So Testament had also just released the Formation of Damnation, which was also a really cool album at the time. So yeah, I liked both of those. Yeah, yeah, good albums. Um, and so got to watch both those bands do their thing. Really good, good live bands, both Testament and Megadeth. And then uh, with Judas Priest, I kind of, I kind of like went so, so like for Testament and just uh, sorry for Testament and Megadeth, I was right at the front for the for for the crowd there. And then when Judas Priest were coming on, I went to the back, uh, like and just kind of watch like from like near the seating area. And then they come on, and I was like blown away. I was like, "What is this? This isn't you know, this isn't." Yeah, this is this isn't old man metal. This is this this goes absolutely like hard as as anything. This is it's mad. Um, and I think it was when they played Sinner. I think think they 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 were they kind of closed the the show the show like with Sinner or or that was like before the encore. And then just hearing like Halford like screaming Sinner over and over again, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, then you realized it's not old man metal, but it's godlike metal. Yeah, exactly. So that is the one. There, there we go. Yeah. Hey, listen, Rob Halford is a next level performer. You can't really go see Priest live and not have a good time. Oh, this is a set list you pulled up. Nice. Yeah, there we go. Center right, uh, oh. right at the end there, just before yeah. Painkiller. You got a nice heavy set list, man. Eat Me Alive, Between the Hammer and the Anvil, Hell Patrol. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. This was uh th this was when KK was still in the band as well, so I'm very glad I got right. to see the the, the painkiller lineup.
uh, one of the last tours he would do. Yeah, that was cool, man. Second last, I guess, right? After that came the British Steel Tour. Uh, you got the facts straight, Hattie. Nice. So after that, later on that year, I think I got like Painkiller and Defenders of, of the Faith or like a birthday present. And then later on, I would get stuff like Screaming for Vengeance, British Steel. Just kind of made my way trying to get get um, as many other stuff as I could to kind of really get familiar with it. And then, um, and I've only seen them once again since then. And that was at Bloodstock 2021 with, um, which. Uh, Incredible show. <sighs> Well, not from where I was sitting. The the sound oh, no. uh, that I feel like whoever was doing the sound that day was having a bit of an off one because it it sounded really thin and Richie's guitar was really low in the mix for some reason. So uh, yeah, that was it was a bit of a bit of a disappointment on that one, but uh, but still great to see them and just the fact that like Halford could can like Halford can still go like 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 no one's business. He's a beast. I'll say that. Well, it's funny we were funny I bring that up because literally last night my partner and I were kind of discussing like um the ways like vocalists have aged. And so like guys like Halford and Ozzy have like their vocals have, have aged so well, particularly because they're good at sort of adapting along with the times. Um like like sure. Halford knows Halford knows how to warm up and pace himself. He's not like blown bonum's is is throw out on painkiller like right at the start of a set or whatever like he's, he's he's getting up to that um but then like see if you listen to like a modern day vince neil from motley crew or axel rose they sound bon awful and, and, yeah and and those guys are 10 years younger than like halford and ozzy but they've obviously just like gotten gotten over like with their um natural talent at first and then not bothered to keep it up. Whereas guys like Halford and Ozzy like, were proper singers and have been and have never never lost the craft, as it were. I agree. Totally. Mm-hmm. And part of it is as you age, you have to adapt. You have to do different things with your voice in order to rework the song if you can't hit notes that you previously did. Or sometimes it means just knowing which songs you can't do anymore. Like yeah. some of the some of the songs from the first two Judas Priest albums, like they've pretty explicitly said, no, we can't do this anymore. That's just too high for me to hit. I can't sing Dreamer Deceiver. I respect oh, I respect bands more who can who can recognize their limitations like that and right and just kind of look at right, how can we still keep putting on an amazing show for people who are still supporting us? Rather than, you know, charging however much for a ticket and then just like like, well, that's what you're getting. Okay. I don't know much about ticketing, but when it comes to taking accountability for whatever they're doing, I think Priest comes pretty clean. They don't hold back when it comes to admitting that there are limitations. They've always respected their fans as well. Like there's mm-hmm. always been respect from Juice Priest and, and back, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. One of the many reasons why they're such a great band and we put together this show as a tribute for them. You know, they're the sort yes. of band that deserves to have the sort of deep dive analysis that we do and have these conversations with other Judas Priest fans because it's fun to share the mutual love of Judas Priest. It goes through all different countries. It intersects through all different cultures. And as different of uh, people as we may all be, 
we all find this thing in common. We all find something to enjoy in Priest. Totally agreed. Absolutely couldn't have put it better myself. Yay. Really? That sounded good? Because I I felt like I was just spewing out word salad there. <laughs> I'm glad it yep. made sense. Well, you, you know what? Sometimes <laughs> you want a salad. You don't want something heavy. You know, it's it's you know, wait, what for what what time is it now? It's like for me, it's right now it's five o'clock for, for in the evening. I would I would much prefer a salad than, you know, a bucket of chicken. That comes later. You raise a great point, Callum. <laughs> All right. So tell us. How does the dotted line lead from Judas Priest to where you are now, musically, in the RABM black metal scene in Scotland? So how did you get there? And why RABM? And what does it mean to you? Uh, so how, why did I get there, I would say, which is mostly by accident. So one of the things that I, I think the Judas Priest does represent, and uh, whether that... Uh, well, this is definitely not... Uh, on purpose by them, maybe not at first in any way, was um was diversity in in metal. You know, like uh, at the end of the day, um nine nine out of ten metal bands uh in are gonna be weird white guys. Probably, yeah. Uh with oh, Jewish Priest that uh, there's always gonna be a, a thing like one of the things that's always gonna come up about it is the fact that um Rob Halford is a gay man who brought in elements of the gay bdsm scene uh into sort of their look which was then adopted by metal uh, as a whole kind of unironically whether it was a joke or yeah. whatever it, it kind of didn't really matter at this point and i feel like as, as sort of as things kind of change in, in the world um there seems to be a, a lot of uh uh, what's the best way to put this? Hostility, I would say, to people of different identities, whether that be race, yes. uh, gender, sexuality, um, identity in general. Um, that will get that gets questioned uh, a lot. Um, you know, whatever, whichever sort of way you are in, uh, in the spectrum, I, I guess uh, politically. Um, but you'll never get a conversation out of that with a band like Iron Maiden or Metallica because bands like that will just ignore it whereas with a band like Jewish Priest it's part of their identity and I think for me personally like I live my life in a way that's about respecting others like respecting what, what people have to say respect but most of all respecting how people live their lives and all I really want in life like like, like you know you gave me the keys to uh, to change the world the only thing I'd want is that people just respect each other that, that's all I want but when you get into black metal, you find that you haven't these sorts of arguments all the all the goddamn time. Um, You're so yeah. right. And so, yeah, yeah. I saw someone tweet out uh, a couple weeks ago: "You can't make good black metal without being at least a little bit racist." <laughs> I read that and I thought to myself, "The fuck you can't? Why not? Of course you can." It's mate, it's very easy to, to write good black metal and not be racist. It's so easy. Mainly because like like most if you don't mind me being so harsh, uh from what Nazi black metal I have been uh, unfortunately exposed to, it's always sounded like dog shit. So, you know. I think it's actually harder to, to make any good sounding Nazi black metal as far as I'm aware. It's never happened. So um but yeah, yeah. so with just like so, right wing punk. No. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Um, 
So and so with that in mind, regarding black metal, that like when you're a fan of black metal, you're always having to put up with sort of sketchiness, whether that be um, racist crap, uh, band, uh, band members uh, of certain bands playing for uh, Nazi bands or uh, labels going out their way to promote um, NSBM along with their sort of more uh, mainstream uh, acts that they're putting stuff out for. And eventually you get sick of it. You get really bored of, of like listening to an album and being like, oh, this is pretty cool. Oh, great. They want my trans friends dead. You know, so it's not so, the sort of thing you can compromise on. No, it's it's not like like because at the end, end of the day, like people's lives are bigger than music. That's that's one of the things I always try to talk, to think. Well, like music is an enhancement for life. It help gives you, it helps like make things better. But at the end of the day, like it's not more important than human life. So therefore, yeah. like, I don't see the point in in trying to like justify like if. If I'm listening to something and then it turns out that the creator would wish that my, you know, one of my trans friends should should be dead and I should be dead for being friends with them, I'm going to take that pretty personally. So, you know, um, and I think enough people also feel that way to the point where this sort of RABM scenes kind of come together, which for anyone who doesn't know stands for Red Anarchist Black Metal, which kind of started off as as a as a kind of poignant. Uh, agitator i would say against nsbm but it's kind of been co-opted by most leftists in metal to kind of it's kind of more like an umbrella term like grunge was where it's like right. like i don't sound like turnus for example turnus falls in, in line with the rabm sort of umbrella but we don't sound anything like eravru or tumultuous rune or trespasser uh, and we definitely don't sound anything like don red and ash inspire but those, that's a big umbrella of bands that all sound very different. Um, and that's what I like about RABM is that it celebrates diversity both on principle uh, in terms of what we want people to live and uh, and be happy and, and not be fucked with, if, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also musically very diverse. You you know throw a dart at uh, 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 you know, 10 um, RABM bands and they're all going to sound different. So... That's awesome. And what a great way to sort of build up the scene and praise these other bands that are all under this label. But like you said, they all have their own sound. They all have their own message. And it sounds like the thing that binds all of you is that there's a sort of common ethics that everyone stands up for. Yeah. No, definitely. It's it's a case like we, we all like we all support each other. We all want the the scene to do well, but we also want to take those principles that are being developed within the RPM scene and then apply those to the more mainstream side of things. Which is where I I think then bands like Judas Priest become more important because they, they are such a they're they're a, they're a legacy band, so they are in danger of 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 being victims of tokenization, like. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys can be like, "Oh, I don't like. I'm not homophobic. I, I like Rob Halford. I don't mind what he does, and stuff like exactly, that." Exactly. Yeah. Like we but, need but, more. Yeah. You know, Halford's amazing, but we do need more than just him. We need yes. more people of diverse sexuality and more queer yeah. people who are openly queer in the metal scene, because you know we can't have just one. You know. There has to be more people who are open before we can really be an accepting group. But we're exactly. going to have 
we're going to have many more conversations about that in June for Pride Month, I'm sure. Yes, so, please. Yeah, I'm not to really looking forward there. to it. No, I'm looking yeah. forward to, to hearing what you guys have got to say about that, because that's, that's going to be... Because I, I, I even just love, love the fact that you guys uh, have got that's so much distance physically between yourselves, uh, like, but between New York and Bangladesh. But there's, uh, like uh, you say, it's it, you're united by this this common love, and I feel like that's that's what most of us can can relate to realistically. It's it's a lot harder to tell someone how not to live than it is to, or, or you know what I mean, or then just let them live. There is totally. And Hattie, I bet you have something to say about what Callum was saying earlier about how Jews priest promotes diversity, because that's something I've heard you talk about a lot. Yeah, I always talk about that, and I always enjoy uh, like throwing these other popular bands under the bus for not doing it. So as I was saying, that yeah, priest has been like a pivotal. They have been doing this like. Um, promoting rather ambiguous messages instead of very uh, specific ones when it comes to like showing or like depicting um, emotions or let's just say moral intentions and all that. So in a way, they always have been progressive in more than one ways, even the years when Halford was, uh, you know, closeted. And that mm-hmm. was possibly till mid to late 80s. So still they have been doing the best they could to like promote diversity. And they have always been talking about things like uh, against tyranny, against like uh, manipulation of the mass and all that. Something like the other big bands, like they do sing about that, but in rather neutral or like, you know, other perspectives so the priests have been doing that like since almost their inception and they haven't stopped but the thing where like uh, as Callum also said that they are have been um, like one of the few bands who have been doing that and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they were not uh, like popular among the younger generations that have been like you know more in uh more into the scene or are in the uh position of power or like a creative energy right now that's why that legacy was not like carried away so a big part of uh the responsibility laid with the uh, you know the people in suits as we say all the time mm-hmm. they did not support enough or maybe uh, this kind of content or this kind of creative uh, endeavors were not circulated or uh, popular among them to invest in so i think that's why we don't have more priests as opposed to we have like bands that are similar to other like neutral um philosophy and all that yeah a lot of time uh like the things that that we can talk about like that with, with sort of the issues of diversity of, of often they've only sort of becoming sort of more relevant as say uh corp- like corporate entities have decided that that's now profitable or it's it's worth them using them to Bush products. I mean, like you guys will probably know plenty about uh, the issues of like the commercialization of pride, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, and 
and and and yeah, like um, it. I I feel like like Vary BM. There's there's a big sort of because it, it's coming from a leftist political um side of things. It's there's a re- a big rejection of a lot of the typical sort of commercial uh excuses. We'll say like it's why things become sort of big talking points like like one of the most successful tweets i ever did uh, so far has been saying pantera suck and uh and i hate them for for being racist and i don't think think that's worth um supporting anymore and uh and it is it's about kind of adapting for us i guess it's about applying those principles to modern day like what what's great what's good for celebrating jewish priests what what's worth taking down as well and replacing so i couldn't agree more man i think you're on the money there yeah totally (laughs) what do you think i think it's getting to be about that time where we listen to the song yeah power through firepower yeah here we go i'm feeling fired up this is been a great conversation so far you know you really got those creative juices flowing in me that whole fuck the system energy yeah glad to glad to i can be of uh, service to you folks <laughs> yay well yeah this song will like get into that like you know uh, narrative i mean yeah like, this song will keep your blood pumping Oh, man. And like I was alluding to before, the song wastes no time getting in and pummeling you. It's very double bass driven, so it feels fast and it is fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's such a good and smart, I would say, for, a, for the first song of the album. It doesn't waste time. It's not trying to settle you with an atmospheric intro or anything like that it's just trying to like get you on board instantly and it does like it like you're all like with that first riff you're like okay this the business is is back you know we're not yeah. we're not wasting time we're, we're we're straight on it and let's not forget this is the first track of the album yeah yeah, yeah. Like and that's important just dropping us in the middle of the power field Right. It's important that your first track makes an impact for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in this day and age where people's time and attention span are more limited than ever. If they're checking out an album that they've never heard and they're not Judas Priest fans, you want to capture them by giving them a real good first impression. I also like that it's synonymous with the album cover as well. Like you, it, it, it 
it goes back to that thing of like you know when you're a kid you you judge an album by its cover and and you're like like and you don't want to like the amount of times i've picked up an album cover and like or an album and the cover looks great and then you put the first song on and you are like bored to tears or something like that like with firepower it's like you're getting the wee guy blasting everything like that that's that's exactly what you're getting straight away yeah i agree that makes sense i agree you can picture albums like screaming for vengeance and defenders of the faith or british steel you can picture those covers in your head and it'll make you think of the songs because of that association and you start to feel like on the best of the judas priest albums the songs in some strange way they connect with that art and seem to fit with it as well yeah and i think firepower is a case where you get that yeah i guess most of their album arts are like that designed that uh you know uh, perfectly like let's just say a few are not but otherwise uh yes those uh album arts were quite relatable with more than one tracks or like the overall theme of the album like yeah no like this has got like i like the fact this is a kind of continuation of themes like defenders and um screaming for vengeance uh and like you're saying george like those those albums you picture the artwork you already have a song that goes with it so and the fact that and that's that's purposeful and it helps you associate the the intensity of the song with the intensity of of the the album cover so yeah it was, it was really important that Judas Priest got that right I think and they, and the amount of times they have got it right is very impressive I think yeah and the other great Please. part about having an opening track like Firepower is that let's not forget the album before Firepower Redeemer of Souls was not an album that set the world on fire you know everyone seemed to think okay it's pretty good it's all right uh not a ton of people were singing and screaming its praises the way they were about firepower so i think when you open with a really good track it can also set up like the expectation for returning listeners oh wow this seems like it's way more exciting than the last album so it's funny it's funny that you actually bring up redeemer of souls because i listened to that um today because it's been so long since I'd, I'd listened to it and firepower actually um I, it's kind of a retread of dragon rock which has also been a retread of several other songs that priest have done where it's yeah. like they are looking for that fiery opening but firepower does what dragon set out to do just in much just much better in every way possible I don't know if you've listened to that recently, but like compare the two at some point and you'll see like like there's they're they're definitely given this type of song another go and succeeding with firepower. Right. And it worked for Freewheel Burning, it worked for Painkiller, and it works here again in Firepower. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And speaking of which, I think it's about time we listen to a little more of the song. Yep.
Now, that kind of awesome melodic passage, it's a great summarization of a lot of what Richie Faulkner has brought to the table in the two most recent Judas Priest albums. He has almost a sort of Euro power metal influence in the sort of parts he likes to play. And I think that you get a lot of that on Redeemer in songs like All's About Halla. And it sounds just as good here in Firepower on this song and then other great tracks like Rising from Ruins. So with Richie's playing in this on this album, one, I, I actually, obviously we don't know for certain, but I think because of what, what's happened to Glenn um, over the last few years with Parkinson's getting worse, I actually think most of yep. the guitar tracks are Richie on this album. There's also a, a massive confidence boost that you can hear in Richie's playing between Redeemer Souls and this because he's now the, the man that's been expected to like lead the fold now. So yeah, like again, just going back to Redeemer Souls, his his leads feel like someone who's just been brought in versus this one where it's clearly been I don't know if he's been been the main writer of that, but he's definitely been the one that's been tasked with bringing as much of this to a high standard as possible. Um, and he, he is one of my favorite guitar players ever as well. Yeah, he's awesome. And I actually have a quote here that I took from a Martin Popoff book. And this is what Richie said about the recording process of Firepower. Okay, so Richie said uh, that what was different was that we set out to say what we can do differently this time around, how we can make it a better record, how we can write better songs. We got two producers in Tom Allen and Andy Smith, and they re- wanted us to play live. They wanted us to rehearse these songs that we had, refine the songs, and get that live energy going uh, that you can only get by playing that in, in a room together. Through that, you get the spontaneity, uh, the natural push and the pull of the music. And you capture the energy in the recording, which was fundamental in getting that ferocity and the vibe that comes through on firepower. Yeah, there you have it. Playing the songs in the same room together and you have the opportunity to work out in real time with your bandmates oh, what if we tried this? Maybe it would sound better if you played it this way. You get more of a real feel to the music than recording in separate studios around the world. Yeah. This... Unless we forget, we had, I mean, they had these two legendary producers, Tom Alum and Andy Sneap. Like, as we discussed yeah. in previous episode, Tom Alum has been the witness to all of the peaks of Priest. Right, a great mix of the new and the old legends is Andy Sneap. He made his name with production credits on like amazing thrash metal albums from Creator and Exodus in like the post 2000 era. So it's like an 80s legend and a 2000s legend working together and combining their skills and their knowledge. And that's a big part of one of the reasons I think Firepower was successful. There are a lot of reasons it was successful, but that's one of them, I think. And then you've got Andy Snape, who's uh, who's mostly known for his work, sort of in from spanning from the nineties into two thousand tens. And then Richie's still a new kid in the block, but he's 
like he's by this point he's well experienced and knows exactly what he's doing and what what is needed of him in Priest. So I think that is a big reason you're getting just so much good energy all at once, and then the fact that it's all going back to that same approach that the the Priest would have done back in their heyday of because back in the eighties and nineties you had to record in a room. There was no Pro Tools, so they had to go and do that, and that's how you get that energy again. Yeah. You raise a good point. When people say music's not like it used to be, maybe one of the ways to recapture that is recording in the same room. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> right. What do you guys get out of these lyrics? I think they're coming out pretty strong with the archetypical priest lyrics that you get in those positive, uplifting songs like Painkiller, messages of standing your ground and defending your rights. I hear that in passages like bring in the foe to be defeated, to pulverize from dusk to dawn. That's very much reminiscent of the classic priest. Yep. I had my notes on those, you know, in the first verse. So it seems like uh, we are in the middle of a story and that we get uh, a better explanation in the second verse. So like if we go uh, see the first two verse or at least like the first four lines, it's like about how like we are done with what is being done to us and we are taking our action now and how we are not going to like be defeated in as opposed to we are going to like uh, fight back and uh, the uh, force of evil it's just my interpretation the force of evil here or the uh, manipulating the force here is named as firepower which petrifies people takes lives uh, neutralizes and uh, all the other bad things it does and people are unionizing against it to fight back and the second first, uh, second four lines, as we can say that they say that that dies cast, making exceptions. We're forced by evil to compel. So it is said that we were uh, seasoned to be toy soldiers to operate at the will of the firepower or the higher authority. But now it's our time to like end the lack of freedom and and reclaim our independence or what, whichever way we can you know symbolize it. So yeah, that's what it is said in the first. Uh, so far, we have listened to the song. Mm-hmm. So There's a lot I've in got- here. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, don't worry. Um, I've got two interpretations of this. So one is uh, the rallying cry, um, like Hattie's talking about. Uh, I very much think that there's a, a very valid viewpoint, especially with the, the lines of like, uh, no sense in this contrition with open arms, we fight for peace and you'll come rally around this lack of freedom. Our unions rise, so go to hell. It's all about people coming together. This type of song isn't really new for Jewish priests lyrically either. Like that, they've had plenty of sort of rallying cry types of songs. What I think this is, though, is a personal statement by the band, as in it's both an opening statement for the album itself, but also about like their where their heads are at making this album. This is what they want the listener to kind of. They basically want to show that, they, that everyone's on the same page, that they're all going in the same direction. If you even add the cover to that, they're all shooting in the same direction, you could say. so. Totally agreed, Callum. The band, yeah, yeah, all the members who have been interviewed sort of echoed that same statement that during the recording, there was something in the air and 
they just knew that they were on the same page and that's why the album came out as great as it did of course yeah. I think, yeah you're right on the money man yes i think that there's stuff in here that you can take and you can relate it back to a lot of social justice movements that are happening nowadays the sort of pushback against hate and yep. hate crimes with weapons drawn we claim the future we're trying to forge a better future and then once you get to the second verse and it says we are forged by evil i take that and i read it as the sort of movements to better the world are often formed in response to direct threats there are people out there who are hostile towards gay transgender queer people we have to push back against that we are motivated by evils to come together and sort of push against it and create that future that we want to see fully agreed i i this is obviously a thing with halford as, as well i feel like he's gotten a lot more vocal about these these types of issues more recently I don't know if you guys follow him mm -hmm. on social media, but I love how much oh, how a bit more unhinged yeah. he's getting with, with like with like <laughs> what he will and will not tolerate. <laughs> Seriously. And he's actually been able to be so much more openly gay thanks to social media. I love and it. I love it. Yeah. Like that's an inspiration. And he doesn't do that to flaunt or like, you know, to like make some, take some leverage out of it because that we am woke and all that. But he genuinely is like this. And it's like, it, it is communicated when it's actually genuine as opposed to it is done for, you know, validation or like so, uh, whatever I like, get popularity points. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's a big thing. He's naturally who he is yeah and the funny thing being is that is amazingly cool like it's uh like i want to be as cool as him when i'm 72 so <laughs> you and me both, man hopefully the planet is still here when we're 72 but not to go down uh, a, big, a rabbit, big rabbit hole, hole. <laughs> <laughs> yep all right time for more of the song yep Classic priest right there, Halford high screams and mm -hmm. the amazing guitar solos. Uh, it's so good. The I love uh, one. I love how how on it Halford still is. Like like he can still hit those those notes and still retain intensity. Like 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 he's like he's obviously changing his approach a little bit. Like like with age, but he is managing to like he's finding his way there, and it's it's not sounding forced. It's not sounding like it's just it's not sounding like a struggle at all. He sounds like he's just easy. Like this is all easy for him. 
And then that's then matched by the absolute intensity of Richie Faulkner's playing. Like I, I love, like, like I don't mind saying that uh, Richie Faulkner is possibly like my favorite Jewish priest player. As big as a fan of Glenn Tipton, I am. There's just something. There's a character to Richie Faulkner's solos that I just I'm addicted to. Same here, man. Like totally i agree with you on that like i am a huge clan fan always have been always will be and yeah faulkner is like a magician with like the six string instrument yeah it's just like it's amazing like um i love watching him play i've, I've watched so many of his like youtube videos and what have you and he's just like he's yeah, it's it's just magic, absolutely. And I, I'm really glad they they got him in, and and didn't. And I'm glad they, they treat him like they they treated him since day one as a member of the band, and not like it's not like when Megadeth get a new guitar player, and you're like, oh, okay, you can see the expiration date on slapped to their forehead. Like it's not that like Richie is is the guy. Management has learned its lessons from the mistakes it made in eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the band members that they have now. They're made to feel like more of a team as opposed to hired guns, or at least I hope so. Uh, I don't know if I could speak for Andy Sneap on that. Well, uh, I, I suppose, especially after sort of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I I do wonder if there's maybe a door being left open for someone. But <laughs> at, at, at the same time, like it, it is, I imagine it must have been a very big compliment for Richie when, you know, early last year they're saying like, okay, we're just going to be pushing forward with with just Richie as our sole guitar player. Um, don't get me wrong, he is a superhuman, but he can't grow for um, you know, can't uh, grow two more arms out of the back of his, his the ones he's got right now. So <laughs> and a lot of priest fans agree with you, including me and I guess George too. Because that was, even though uh, so far I, I have zero prospect of attending any li- of the live shows, but it kind of like I couldn't I couldn't accept it myself as a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a band who is built on having two guitarists, and even if one of them is a hired gun, it, it's not the same. I don't think. Great. If anything, it would be so cool if Priest could have three guitarists like Maiden. You know, add something to your sound. They have Glenn Tipton when he's able to make his rare guest performances. When they have him, they have three guitarists. So why not add KK Downing to the team of Sneep and Faulkner? That could be fun. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame set was really cool. Like, like just getting to see like that. Like, no, I, I fully agree with you. I don't. I would. I would quite happily watch that over and over again. So did we? We did a whole episode on that. <laughs> right had to capture that big moment for the band it, it was fun as commercialized as the rock and roll hall of fame is it was still something that made me happy to see and yeah. without without that hall of fame we wouldn't have gotten all of those current and former judas priest members in the same room les yeah. banks as well no it's a special moment and i think yeah uh, as uh, yeah, as cynical as I am about things like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I do like the fact that like it does open windows of opportunity for special moments like that. So totally agreed. All right, guys, what do you say we send this song home? Yes. Yep. Yeah. No time to pray. Your ass 
that song is less than three and a half minutes. There's no fat that could have been trimmed. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't take away a single second from that track. No, they were uh, like it's very, very smartly made. Very uh, like everything's, yeah. Well, like you said, no fat at all. It's it's not wasting the, the listener's time. It's just there you go. That's that's the opening statement. Here we go. I'll mention as well, just because I haven't yet, but um, I love Scott Travis's drumming on this. It's very tasteful, but drives a song in exactly where it's supposed to go. I also really like the fact that you can actually hear Ian Hill's bass on this album. <laughs> it's quite often he fades into the background, but the the mixing uh, on this album in general is just is fantastic. But yeah, good bass tones and brilliant drumming is always with Scott Travis. Everyone in this band is such a talent. And yeah, especially Scott, he is so tight and the rhythms, they're on point. The song's full of double bass, but also those great, great drum fills that mark a transition between one passage of a song to another, you know, and they're tasteful enough that they don't stand out. But when you pay attention, you're always impressed by them. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Totally. What else do you have? Uh, give me your wrap-up thoughts on this song, guys. Yeah, so like I said earlier, it's a great opening statement for the album. It's a very good way to for the listener to kind of get into the psychology of the band itself. Um, it's a brilliant rallying cry for live crowds uh, and also for, it kind of speaks a little bit to sort of the subject of, of diversity and a and, uh, social justice movement, or at least that's what I'm taking from the, on that, that regard. And yeah, it, it almost acts as a promise to the listener as well, just of like, like but with, with the time as well, it's it, like, I look at it as almost like, right, we, we're aware that we've we've gone a little bit over our heads the last few albums. Don't worry, we're not doing it this time. <laughs> totally. I love that. That echoes a lot of what I feel and some of what I was saying before. You hear this song and it's up first and you know, this album's different. This one has more energy. Addie, what do you got? Okay, so let's go back a few decades. So I think this is a continuation of the legacy of Painkiller in the terms of like how historically significant that album was. Like that was after the abolition of Berlin Wall and possibly also like the disengagement of uh, Soviet Union. I guess those historical events happened and then happened painkiller. Even though that doesn't ever ever references those uh, events or so, but it uh, still had that sort of historical feel that this is a representation of that generation. And I think in uh, that similar theme, Firepower, is that for 2010s, like the millennial or if, yeah, I'd say like 21st century painkiller, like in a sense, not like in like total uh, point by point. So that's one thing. And it opens with that sort of like power that we are here to let you know that, as Callum said, priest has not like gone old man's fat thing or whatever. It is still very relevant. We still are vocal about things that young people are worried about. 
And from that, like, I think Firepower was the perfect intro to that. Because here they are uh, talking about defending against a force of evil that petrifies, that does everything it can to control people. And people are uniting against it. And they are not holding back on the fight. And, you know, there are two lines that that say that no time to pray or ask for forgiveness. Those blessed uh, souls are now de deceased. There is no sense uh, in this contrition. With open arms, we fight for peace. So they're retelling the story of, like, no, no time for feeling sorry. We have we have to like stick to the target and power through it because we have only one mission, which is to you know defeat this force of evil. And as the force of evil, like back in the eighties or seventies, where Vietnam War and like the those Cold War and things, currently it is like things that are happening around like 2017 or 18. By that time, we had a lot of uh, school shootings in America. We oh, had, yes. uh, and still do. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, but yeah, they are crazy. And then we had this like Rohingya issue and other Syria issue, and so many atrocities happening. And all of those were done by forces of evil, and people were but to compl uh, comply and fight uh, against those so it is a message that we are here to like um, go against the forces of evil and we are sticking to one target and one target only is to stay united attack that force of evil i think that is how this album opens in the most classic pre-style to let us know that yeah the fight's still on yeah yeah, that's that. That yeah, there's no loss of passion from priests from in any respect at this point. Well, in fact, you know what I'd say is it's been a regained passion. I think actually, to and by the way, I completely agreed on all points. I think the best way to summarize what you've just said is to point out the most important words when you so like you can because you can pay you can um compare the song to Painkiller, and I think if you're to do so lyrically. The best way to to really show how firepower stands by itself is in the most important words in the lyrics, which I think is the word "we." You know, we fight this firepower with open arms. We fight for peace because because the the subject of painkiller is a savior comes from from out the sky in answer to our pleas. It's looking for, uh, you know, something else out of this world to save us. Whereas with firepower, it's us we are the ones that are going to have to save ourselves and, and unite. Yes. Yes. I love that you hit on that point and uh, I agree totally. with you. And this yeah, is that's my favorite line. Yeah. This is my favorite line right here. With open arms, we fight for peace. It says so much. Now, with open arms, to me, I picture that like an embrace with love and acceptance. And at the Being same time, yeah, yeah, but you're using that to fight for peace. You want to show that love is stronger than hate. But at the same time, you have to fight because you can't have peace until hate is defeated.
This was an awesome conversation, guys. And Callum, I want to thank you again for coming and joining us. Hattie and I would love to have you on again because you gave us so much great insight. <laughs> You're far too yes. kind. Oh, thank you so much. And yes, absolutely. If there's any songs you want me to go and discuss with you on any uh, albums and future episodes, just give me a shout. I've got plenty that I've I've always got something to talk about. Like I'm I'm always uh, uh I don't I don't mind running my mouth. Fuck yeah, that sounds good to me, man. And hey, why don't you go ahead and plug those pluggables? Yeah, uh, there's not too much. It's literally just uh, Turnus Unslayable, uh, an album we released last year that I am just dead proud of. We've got merch on there as well. I will say for Turnus uh, after next week, uh, which is, well, uh, I don't know when this will be getting released, but the uh, after the 11th of February, which is our, which is our show with Hellripper, we're kind of going to be going, going a bit quiet and whilst we write new music. But let me tell you something, the new music is going to be banging so if you like if you want me on new episodes i'll be happy to do so because i'll i'll need some time time to keep me busy so but uh yeah if anyone's not checked out unslayable please do please tell me what you think about it if it means anything to you all that uh and buy a shirt please and thank you in advance we'll definitely play out this episode with one of your songs which one do you want us to play uh, I'm gonna leave that up to you. Uh, I think it would be if I'm assuming have I reviews listened to it yet? Oh yeah, I've listened to the album twice actually. Uh, once when I first reached out to you, and again this morning. Awesome. And I'm feeling like I'm gonna go with Unslayable because that one is very accessible and direct. Feels like thrash metal, but just a little heavied up. Also, I love the lyrics, the strong message in that one. Uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun writing that one. Uh, that was it's basically, uh, I don't know what was the best way to put it. It's, uh, like, imagine if 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 uh, you were stuck in, in a video game, but you didn't know you were, and and you know, this is this is kind of the uh, um, this is kind of the sum of it. You're you're always you're always set up to be the king, and then you you fall down and wonder why. Quick lightning round question: Name three of your favorite games. I mean, I could cheat and just say say a bunch of uh, FromSoft ones, but we'll go with most recently will be Sekiro, um, Doom 2016, and uh, you know what? No, I, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say Bloodborne as well. FromSoft keep making good stuff, but yeah, Doom 2016 was was a, a big eye opener for me for what first person shooters could actually be. Oh man, and Bloodborne, that's another modern classic, and the lore is so uh, it's metal as fuck, man. And there actually have been some bands that have made like albums and maybe entire bands themed around the war and the concepts in Dark Souls and that entire universe. That that whole thing is 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 very much uh, informative to a lot of what happens with um, with Unslayable in terms of our themes. Like 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 half the reason that I've got like because like the cover of Unslayable is a giant like squid monster that's eating a dead sun in space like that's what that is that's a dead sun that it's it's, it's about to consume so that's awesome and, and the whole sort of al- album idea is that it's uh it, it's kind of uh, always promoting and feeding upon misery across all universes um and you know it's up to us to kind of try and realize that that we are uh, that we're sucking what we can do better and and fight against that with you know coming together wow so. that is so cool so right. kind of stealing from Jewish priests with that kind of thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Hey, man, there's priest influence everywhere you go. We wouldn't have metal without them. They make metal that is fun and also poignant when you actually think about it. And I like that's the kind of thing I think most bands should be trying to do. It's like like satisfy the the caveman urges of like, oh, I just want something funny and cool and yeah. And then also give them something to think about afterwards. Priests have always like, done that. Yeah, it's true. They always had those depictions on the cover art that leave something to your imagination. Like they leave an impact and then they also leave your something to your imagination like really am i looking at yeah exactly all right that's all the heavy metal chatter we've got for this episode of judas Priestcast. so until next time keep defending the faith Great and evil